Welcome to more than a few words in marketing podcasts for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today we're going to be talking about whale hunting. Uh, we're going to be talking about the process of going after the really big deal. I've got two people who I think are going to be terrific resources during the call. The first is Barbara Weaver-Smith of Whale Hunters and Matt Nettleton of Sandler Trust Point. Folks, I'm so glad you could be here. Barbara, why don't you start, do a quick intro, tell folks who you are, what you do, and then I'll have Matt do the same. Thanks, Lorraine, and thanks for having both of us on today. Uh, I am the founder and president of the Whale Hunters, and we are a company whose business is Sort of like yours, Lorraine, we help smaller companies grow fast, specifically by helping them learn how to do bigger deals with bigger customers. And the approach we take to that is teaching um, the cross-functional team at the company how to collaborate and cooperate in making a bigger sale to a large company which has a very different buying process than what they're accustomed to. Thanks, Barbara. We're really glad you're here. Matt? I, I think we all are calling on very similar people. At Sandler Training, our primary clients are uh, locally owned businesses with active owners, typically $2 to $20 million in revenue already, probably doing well, and um, simply looking to get a better foundation built and understand more effectively where, there's, where the revenue is coming from and how they can affect that. Matt, thank you so much. And also sitting in this morning is um, our new account exec, Joe Little. Joe, say hey. Hello. Joe, how much do you know about sales? Um, just a little bit. I kind of start down my professional career. Sort of sales aren't my, my expertise yet, but something I'm hoping to get a little bit better at today. Well, hopefully you'll pick up some tips um, and some things that you can use. Okay, so um, as we get started, I'm going to throw out some questions and... Um, Let's start maybe with some mistakes. Those are always fun. And I'll let Matt do one, and then Barbara, I'm going to have you do one, and the next time you get to go first. When small businesses are looking at calling on whales, companies that are significantly larger than they are, what's one mistake that they make? Well, it's, when, when small businesses are looking at calling on whales, and, and it really doesn't matter what size the target company is, it, it, it's more what size the opportunity is. And one of the phrases that gets used is, you know, go out and double your double. Find a, find a prospect that's twice as big as your current largest client. And, and the number one mistake that, that people make is that they think the, custom, the company that they have delivering the sales that they already have is the company that they need to deliver sales that are twice as large. So the uh, the idea is that you get this really big business and now you don't have the, the bandwidth or the capacity to do it. Yeah, you, you, you've not built the support system. You know, as Barbara mentioned, cross-functional teams. You haven't done any of the prep work to deliver what you're getting money for. And so businesses go out, they land this new client, the new client becomes 40% of their revenue. They screw up the new client that's 40% of the revenue. New client leaves, and now... You've got all that overhead that you all of a sudden created and none of the revenue to support it. Barbara, what do you think, um, either building on that or other mistakes that companies make? Well, I agree with everything that Matt said, but I'll, I'll give you a different perspective on it. One of the mistakes that we see constantly is that uh, small companies don't understand 
the big company buyers primarily buy out of fear, and they are afraid of you, and they are much more interested in how they can be safe than they are interested in all the bells and whistles of the great advantages that you have to sell. And so as part of your preparation, you really need to teach yourself what are all of the ways in which your company would scare a bigger company and how are you going to overcome those fears? You know, that is it's, it's so funny um, because I think as a small business owner, I, I, I don't think I'm very intimidating, but I just had this situation yesterday. We were on the phone um, with a company out of Michigan, and they are a $10 million business. And trust me, for my company, a business with $10 million sales is, is a whale, and they were definitely afraid. They were afraid that we were maybe too big or too 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 sophisticated for for them and for their needs, and I would never have thought about um, fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you um, how do you approach that um, and make people more comfortable with you? You said you know, you have to think about what they're afraid of. How do you begin to 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 get at that information? Okay, we have a we have a very very specific process for that. First of all, uh, help our clients understand that um, buyers are afraid of extra work. They're afraid of internal conflict. They're inherently afraid of change, and they're especially afraid of making a mistake. And the bigger the company, the more fearful the individuals are of making a mistake. And so we bring the cross functional team together and brainstorm specific things in those categories about us that would make them afraid. And then as a team, we come up with tangible uh, materials or tools that the sales group uh, from our company could use putting in front of the buyers at the target company. Uh, For example, they're typically, if you're small, they're afraid that that you can't, Last, they're afraid you're going to go out of business. They're afraid no. you can't ramp up fast enough. So, if you um, show them you have a history of being able to ramp up through a chart or a graph, that really helps. Cool, um, Matt. Any uh, other ideas on how you can help buyers get over the fear, or how you can help find out what some of those fears are? Uh, we we spend a lot of time. Uh, helping our clients move away from talking about what they do. I know Barbara does this as well. And helping understand what past fear, uncertainty, and doubt the prospect has had. Um, you know, 95% of all corporate buying decisions are made on past loss or past difficulty. Um, and, and so the more that we can spend time making sure that the buyer understands their past loss and difficulty, and making them more afraid that that's going to continue than they are afraid that something bad will happen when they switch, I think the more successful your selling process is. Cool. Um, You know, let's go back and and kind of take the sales process um, from the beginning and prospecting. I'm I'm a small business, and what I really want to do is pick up a few whales. How do I... um, how do I begin to look for whales? Do you want to start with that, Barbara? 
Sure, I'd be glad to. The, the way we approach that, Lorraine, is we help our clients build a target filter, a set of criteria with metrics of what would um, an ideal client look like. And, and the concept of a whale has a lot to do with the size that you are today. We're looking at um, a deal that might 10 times bigger than your current average. It's not like 100 times bigger. So the smaller the company, the smaller the size of the whale deal. But they identify what would be, uh, what would be an ideal client, and then we teach them how to research in the, in the business databases uh, a list of those customers. When you're small, they might be local or regional customers as you grow. We work with a lot of companies that are, you know, closer to a hundred million. They have a national footprint. So all those things change. But they have they work from a list of customers that they would like to have. Cool. Matt? Um typically when I get a small business owner that says, How do I land a whale? Um, the first thing that we do is we go through an exercise that we refer to as a uh, stair steps to success. Um, and we identify what a whale means for them. Probably very similar. We, we use demographic data to sort people into five groups. Um, we refer to them as square, squirrels, deer, moose, elephant, and whales. Um, and, and then we start to, how can we kill off some of these squirrels and how can we go find some more deer and moose? And once we're good at getting deer and moose, then we can talk about jumping in a boat and whale hunting. It's, um, and having gone through the, the process with Matt, um, we actually have photographs hanging in our office right now, squirrels with like the circle with the line through it um, on them. And it's designed to remind us um, that, that's not, that there are clients out there that, that we don't want. And I think that's an important part of, um, for me um, moving into an arena where I began to feel comfortable looking for whales, I had to also feel comfortable, I think, letting go of the squirrels. Um, that's okay. absolutely true, Lorraine. Yeah. Barbara, um, when you're talking about, um, to, so after they kind of identify who they want to call on, what's the next step in getting ready to um, get out there and talk to, to whales? We call it scouting. It's a it's a big research project to learn everything you can about those key companies that you have set your sights on. We teach them how to uh, do that kind of research. We teach them how to create dossiers. We teach them how to use uh, social media connections to find a warm introduction. We teach them how to be completely prepared to uh, go in and talk to some key people in that uh, company, and we also um, teach the scout to watch the behavior of those companies in the marketplace for various kinds of trigger events that would suggest now is a good time to go talk to them. Cool. Now, being that we are, um, you know, broadcasting this online, something that I have an interest in is, is how does social media play a role in finding those whales? Would Matt, you want to pick this one up first? Well, it's. it's you know, you call it uh, scouting. Um, I, I always have referred to it as stalking. <laughs> uh, obviously, scouting is much less socially, you know, rejected. Uh, but, but as you know, 
any time that you're, you're you're on social media, it, I, it's not a fad. The internet's not going away, and there's more and more information available out there. When when we look at at our companies, we'll we'll pull lists from Reference USA or Dun and Bradstreet or any of the million of databases that are out there, um, and then we'll tell people it's okay to go look at their website. It's go okay to follow them on Facebook. It's okay to get on the Twitter with them. You know, the Twitter. The Twitter. You got to get on the Twitter. <laughs> Um, you know, you got to do these things because what will happen is these companies are leaving trails behind them of the things that are working and not working. And, you know, whether you're stocking them and going through their garbage and, and, and learning about them or you're scouting them and, and doing it professionally, I think it's, it, it, it's okay to know that you should be out there looking for signs of things that people will want to buy from you. And it's best that you look primarily for signs of things that you already sell. Because one of the, in another, I guess this would be mistake number two, is these, these businesses go out and they want to land this big new account. But in order to land the big new account, they have to add this big new product. And so they have an account they have no experience with and a product they have no experience with, and they wonder why it doesn't work. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You know, I um, I have to laugh because so much of my business in the early days was built on selling things that I had never sold before. But in those days, it was just me and it was one project or one client. And since I didn't have a lot of business, that was okay. Um, but as we've grown and, and sort of gotten a little bit more structured, um, when people come to us with things that we really don't do, we have to really think long and hard as to whether or not um, – that's going to be a good fit for us. So um, kind of taking this next step, we, you know, you've narrowed your list, you've identified who you want to be talking to, maybe you're doing a little on social media, you're stalking them a little bit, trying to engage in conversations. How do you get doors open with, because this is probably, I think, the biggest challenge small business owners have. A lot of our business comes from referrals and networking, but those buyers, those owners of five and ten million dollar companies, they're not out there networking. How do we get to them? How do we get those introductions? How do we get those first meetings? You want to take Barbara, that, Matt? Why don't you start that one and then, Barbara, you can come up. All right. Well, I grew up in Pennsylvania and uh, we, we always had the first day of hunting season off. And I always laughed at the guys that went out in the woods and stomped around and made a bunch of noise. And, and they sounded like hunters. Uh, the only thing they never did is they never got to kill a deer because they scared, scared all the animals away. And, and I think salespeople do a lot of that when they start this process. And they decide, I'm going to go get a big account. And so they start making phone calls, and the phone calls start uh, with some version of, hey, uh, you know, this is Matt Nettleton. I'd like to talk to the person at your organization who makes the decision about and then you can fill in, you know, copiers or phone systems or whatever it is that you want to do, or marketing, whatever it is. And as soon as you make that noise that makes you sound just like every other cheesy salesperson out there, you will scare away all the good prospects. The, the, the woods will be quite empty. You know, you, it's like splashing in the water and wondering why all the fish swim away. <laughs> so um, I think that's one of the, you know, that's a not to do. Okay. Um, Barbara, have you got either a do or not to do? Yeah, well, I agree with the not to do, absolutely, and I'll, I'll give you a do. And this is where 
coming back to social media, and I would say specifically LinkedIn, uh, we try to encourage our clients to greatly increase their presence on LinkedIn uh, with multiple members of their team, not just a single person. And we really abhor cold calling of any kind. Um, We would rather believe uh, and, and do believe that you can always find a warm introduction uh, if you are persistent enough uh, within your network to find that. And that that connection may come through a, a joint uh, philanthropic interest. It might not just be a business interest, but we use the LinkedIn um, request and introduction quite a bit. And we would typically go for several introductions to people. But we would already know who is the person who's in charge of buying XYZ at that company. We would never call them to find out, ever. Now, I know, Matt, you've got a different uh, attitude on cold calling. And and can can I sit in Barbara's camp on this one? Listen, nobody likes cold calling. Um, My belief is that the people that I don't know have more money than the people that I do. Uh, so every once in a while I'm going to have to cold call. Um, if I can get a warm introduction through LinkedIn, if I can find a connection, um, I, I'm very active coaching youth sports uh, in Fishers, Indiana, and I am always amazed uh, when I'm out and I'm working in business, the number of people who I know through youth sports who I didn't know they actually had a job. Um, and that ends up being a warm introduction, and we start talking about kids' sports, then we start talking about business, and, and, it, and it's a nice thing. Um, if you can get a warm introduction, and LinkedIn is a great place to start, uh, you know, it's fabulous. If you, if you have to make a cold call, and I always say that you don't have to, you, you don't have to like them, but you do have to, you, you do have to make them every once in a while, um, you know, we, we really still want to focus on uh, a, a, an honest, awkward phone call, and rather than saying, you know, who can I speak to that makes this decision, you know, calling up and get that gatekeeper say, I'm not even sure who I'm supposed to speak to. You know, let let them rescue you out of it. Don't try to bluster your way by being smooth and cool through it. Cool. So for those who might be in smaller markets, do you have a different approach? Uh, going for larger potential clients than that you would use for the smaller potential clients. So yeah, if you're in if you're in more of a niche market where there just aren't are you talking to where there just aren't that many uh, there aren't that many big fish in in that industry. I, my experience is there just aren't that many markets with a scarcity of prospects. Uh, there just yeah. aren't there just aren't that many. There's you know. You could tell me that you need left-handed second basemen who are between 18 and 24 years old, and I can guarantee if I had to go out and find them, there's more than you think there are. And, and, so and if, if there aren't talk- enough, you're not in a market. You're not in a market. You're trying to make a market. It's not yeah. there. You can't fix the market by creating supply. <laughs> but, Lorraine, I, I would add to that, most of, most of our customers are going after – much bigger companies than we're talking about here. They're not going after $10 million companies. They're going after billion-dollar companies. And so with a billion-dollar company or a, you know, half a billion-dollar company, publicly traded companies, 
you can find the names of everyone who does everything on the management team, and you can begin to try to make contact with multiple people. The other thing to Matt's point, if you do need to make uh, a cold call to one or more people, you need to be prepared that it's going to take maybe 10 or 12 touches, uh, very, very carefully planned and orchestrated before you're going to get any kind of response. So don't allow yourself to get really discouraged when they don't return the first voicemail. They're just not going to. So so the um so some of the the decisions then, Barbara, would you say is if I'm making a decision to go after those clients, I need to also structure my business to accommodate a longer sales cycle. Yeah, the big the bigger the deal typically the bigger the deal, the bigger the customer, the longer the sales cycle because big companies just take longer to do anything. There, there's a, it, it varies a lot by industry. Some companies have a long sales cycle even doing smaller deals, and it's not mm-hmm. such a big change for them. Let's say, because especially when you're dealing in bigger companies, titles aren't always the same. And so you've got, you know, you're talking to somebody, you thought they were the decision maker. And if you're good at this, you very quickly find out that they're not. How do you get, once you're inside the company, and I'll let Barbara let you start and then Matt pick up on this, how do you move from your first contact to the decision maker? That's a great question. First of all, I never... uh would insult the person I'm talking to by asking them who really is the decision maker. So we would begin to ask the question, if you were uh, to make a decision to do business with us, who else would be influencing your decision and who else would be affected by your decision? And then find out if they're willing to convene those people and introduce you. So it's like concentric circles. Uh, You need to find one or more people inside the company who are willing to convene others to learn more about what you have to offer. And if you don't have a person like that, you need to either move on for the time being or find someone who will do that for you. Cool. Um, Matt, do you want to pick up on that if you know you're talking to the right uh, wrong person? My, my assumption is you're always talking to the wrong person. I mean, that's the... That that's where I start. Um, I, I think your your comment, you know, it's in, in the decision process. Anytime you're dealing with a more complex selling cycle, it's never it's never who's the decision maker. It's always who else is part of the decision. Uh, exactly what you said. Um, the one thing that I will say is one of the things we spend a lot of time with our clients on is rather than trying to get them to go forward and say who else is going to be making this decision with you, we always try to go backwards and say last time you had to go through this type of change, who else made the decision with you then? Because that will kind of give you a a real nice roadmap. And because big companies are afraid of making any mistakes, um, that that nice roadmap is something you can say, hey, listen, now we're going to do it just the way you did it last time. Or or we're not if that that doesn't work. But you're, you're gonna. It'll give you a place to start that they're comfortable with because they've done it already, and it's not scary and new. Okay. So next step in the process, and wow, this half hour has just flown by. 
But let's say you get through the, you know, the bid and the proposal or whatever has to happen to, to meet the requirements of that company. You've got the order. What do you tell your clients to do after the contract is signed? Matt, you want to take that one first? Well, let me start with that because I think this is the biggest, you know, we've talked about two mistakes already. This is probably the one that is the most painful to watch. When you land that big client, you have to remember that your best client is your competitor's best prospect. And, and so just because you made the sale doesn't mean you get to stop working. Now it starts all over again, and now it's harder because to grow your business, you've got to keep the big one you got, and you've got to go get another big one. And that's where the, you know, the ongoing reinforcement of training the, you know, Barbara talked about the cross-functional teams and making sure everybody's rowing in the same direction. That's where it all kicks in. Um, it, it's not over. You know, it's like John Belushi. It's not over till we say it's over. Right. Barbara, what else do you tell your clients after they get the contract? Well, when we help them build out a sales process, our, our process really has three components. It's called scouting hunting and harvesting. Harvesting is what do you do when you get the deal. And as Matt said, that it's critically important. So you need to have your process built long before you close that deal so that everyone who's going to deliver your services, and typically we're working with services, but even if we're working with uh, manufactured pro you know, parts or something, there's still a lot to it. You have to be able to have the inventory and you need to be able to deliver. So the company needs to have a very clear process and understanding of how they bring a new client on board, and they need to have that from the beginning before they even go out uh, and make contact with them. Cool. All right, folks, thank you so much. This has been just a terrific, terrific call. What I'd like to do now is uh, make sure that people know how to catch up with you. Barbara, if they want to read your books, if they want to read your blog posts, if they want to learn more about what, what you do, how do people find you? They can find me on Twitter at The Whale Hunters or go to our website, thewhalehunters.com. Awesome. And Matt? If they, uh, if they want to find us on Twitter, uh, we're at Sandler in Indy. Uh, and if they want to find us on our website, we are the trust point and point ends with an e.com. Cool. And uh, although he was pretty quiet today, he had a few questions. Joe, how do people find you? Uh, at Joseph underscore and underscore little. And if you have enjoyed today's program, if you'd like to learn more about marketing, networking, social media, and even a little bit of sales, be sure to check our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.